You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 368, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Tay D. Herrera is a back-end engineer at Texas. Software engineering in the world of tech is still relatively new to them, and two years ago, they never would have dreamt that they would have a hand in creating applications that people use in their daily lives. Prior to working in tech, they studied mathematics and had a brief stint in the fashion industry. In addition to engineering, they love watching Jeopardy, learning how to sew, and have recently gotten a puppy named Chula, who they are completely obsessed with. Spoiler alert, I am also completely obsessed with Chula. Welcome to the show, Tay. Hi there. Where is this your first podcast, Tay? Uh, this is my first podcast, and I am calling in from icy Arctic tundra, Denver, Colorado. I just saw a picture of what it looks like right now, and I am stunned. Like, this is the end of April. How is this possible? It is completely nasty and disrespectful, and I do not like it at all. But Chula <laughs> loves it. Chula turns into, like, a whole little rowdy mess when it's snowing, so at least one of us loves it. I love that. Well, speaking of loving <laughs> it, I would love to hear your developer origin story. Totally. So, I guess my... I'm kind of a part of a lot of developers nowadays who are making career changes, who made like total career changes, you know? Although this is kind of like my first career. Um, When I went to college, I studied math because I thought I wanted to become a teacher, Um, but that didn't exactly go according to plan. Um, I worked with um, some students in the after school programs and kind of saw that they weren't into like as they weren't as into mathematics as I was, but that's like totally fine. Like not everything has to be for everyone, you know? So that kind of like put a little bit of a stint in my uh, career in education, which is what I thought I wanted at the time. And then after I graduated, I moved to Portland where I kind of developed a little bit of a creative expertise by working in fashion. I had like a brief stint as a makeup artist and got to do some really like cool things. After a couple of years, though, I decided I kind of missed the part of um, missed part of my life where I was like problem solving all day that I kind of got like with math. So a really good friend of mine recommended that I try out um, a coding bootcamp called Turing. They had like weekends where you can go and learn back end and front end like 101, like take a little cla- uh, crash course. And yeah, I completely fell in love with back end engineering and I got my start like about two years ago, I guess. So here I am now. (laughs) How did you know that you were going to have a preference for backend engineering versus front-end? To me, backend engineering was a little bit more analytical and kind of doing a deeper dive into like, uh, like how things work a little bit more on like applications and like maybe getting to do a little bit more analyzation of like some data. So and I think I got all of that from like my math background, you know? So I think the like backend engineering and math kind of like pair nicely together, you know? Totally agreed. Yeah. So how did you land your role at Texas? <laughs> um, it was actually really funny. Um, one of my classmates at Turing, um, she was friends with somebody in the front end counterpart of our, of our cohort. So there was like backend and front end. 
And my friend in the back end had got had been approached about um, applying for an opportunity at Texas, but she had actually got a job that very week, so she referred me, and JF was actually like my first point of contact, and he was kind of like got my foot in the door a little bit further. Um, so yeah, it was like a little bit of luck, and then yeah. Well, I think it's fantastic, and I have so enjoyed managing you. I'd love to talk about a project that you've tackled at Texas that you were proud of. <laughs> this is kind of a funny question because I've been like going through like all of my pull requests and kind of just like looking at like a lot of the work I've done over the past year. I've only been working here for like a little bit over a year, and I think one just learning how to. I think you've kind of like said it before that our application is not a normal Rails application. It borrows a little bit from like functional programming and the like. So kind of being able to like learn new technologies just like on this application is something that I am proud of. But my first little baby on the on the application was our groups feature. And I like, <laughs> I just like beam whatever I like get to like look at all that old code and like see my first deep dive into what it was like as as a professional engineer, I guess. Um, aside from that, there have been like a few bugs and chores that I've kind of been able to solve like with my mathematical brain, which is like really fun. Um, and there, you know, there's the work that I'm doing right now that is kind of creating data exports to be sent off to like various organizations and the parts of the technology that I get to touch doing all of this, like working with AWS, working with dry transaction, working with like containers, even like the testing that I'm learning behind it is all like really cool and makes me really proud. You should be. So over this past year, you even were promoted from junior developer to software developer. And so I'd like to get your experience as being a remote developer in your first year of software development. How has that been for you? Yeah, it's been wild. It's been a trip. I started like at the end of February in 2020 and literally like three weeks after COVID struck and we were all remote. Um, so it was kind of hard, like not really having somebody physically there where you can like just turn to and like ask a quick question and i think it's like been a lot of trying to realize the fine lines of trying to solve something for myself and and asking like questions to like other teammates you know and i think that there's this one aspect of working remotely that makes me that like isn't always fun in that i feel like whenever I'm talking to my coworkers, like it's always just like when I have a question, it's not like you can't do like the normal at work banter remotely, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't have like the same feel, you know? So it's been, but in other ways it's been like super, it's been good. I like working from home, um, being in my own space and like being comfortable, I think lends itself well to like my, my work, you know? I agree. I see from the positive side, I like to be able to share my entire screen and be able to know that you on the other side can see my whole screen and you can interact with it. 
I'm not a big fan of leaning over somebody and especially someone coming over and trying to type on my keyboard because that just makes me nervous. I am not a great in-person typist when people are watching me. Um, I don't know about you on that one. But, you know, the other side is one of our colleagues put up a pull request the other day that was incredibly complicated. And I was just completely blown away at, at the code. And it really, it caused some imposter syndrome for me because I'm like, how did you do this? Like when I, I messaged him directly and he's like, you don't understand. This one test took me all day. And I don't see that by being remote. You know, we don't see those little struggles. We only see the end result by being hey, remote. Yeah. I've really never like considered that that take though. Like you only see the final product at the end of the day and none of the struggling that goes in behind it. Totally. I mean, when I was working in an office, I would go to the gym midday. And I solved a lot of code that way because, you know, your mind kind of goes idle. You, you've like obsessed over an algorithm. And sometimes I would come back with a result. And, you know, I excitedly tell my developer partner that. But we don't really have that with remote working. You know, you really do only see that end result. But I, I like to use you as an example, Tay, as an example of someone who could be mentored as a junior and really grow a lot and that it is possible because for a long time there, we were saying, you know, junior developers can't be remote. And I think you have certainly proved that wrong. Whoa, thank you. <laughs> so speaking of Tay, what advice do you have for the junior developers listening? I think the biggest takeaway that I've learned after working from like a year is that you can never ask too many questions and you shouldn't be scared to ask like too many questions. And there is just so much knowledge to be gained out here in this field. And I think that's why I like it so much too. Um, but you have to stay hungry to learn and you have to always be on top of your game. And I will say, while having a breadth of knowledge is super important, I think it's also important to be somebody that other people want to collaborate with and are comfortable with bouncing ideas off of. So as much as like knowledge matters, I think having a good personality and like being a good teammate is something worthwhile as well. And maybe even a little bit forgotten sometimes. Yeah, that actually leads me into my next question. So is it important that developers get involved in company initiatives that are completely outside of the engineering team? I think so, because I mean, you get to know a little bit more about your company and how like it affects different departments across the company. And I mean, for example, you know, we've kind of changed up like our hiring process and how we kind of communicate with people we're trying to recruit. And that's kind of like an, uh, something that I wasn't aware of up until like a few weeks ago after meeting with like other people on our team. When I joined Texas, they were currently, you know, sitting down and trying to define like core values of the company and you were actively involved in that process, right? Right. It's really cool because I've, I mean, like I said, this is like my first career in tech and I've never been on like the, like in past jobs, I've never been on the side of the team that is kind of deciding like these core values that we're kind of implementing across a company. And it's really fun to be a part of it, especially as like a minority, like having my voice heard in like that aspect is, is special. This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Are you using the latest tools to monitor your Ruby apps performance? 
With Raygun Error and Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun gives you real-time visibility into the health of your software so you can see how your code performs in the hands of who matters most, your customers. Save time, money, and sanity by visiting raygun.com ruby and join thousands of software teams who use Raygun every day to ship better quality code faster. It takes just minutes to set up and starts from as little as $4 per month. This is a tool you definitely want to check out. So head to raygun.com ruby to get started on your free 14-day trial or simply search Raygun on the Heroku Marketplace. Thanks to Raygun for supporting the show. I think it's wonderful too, because there is a tendency for engineering to be very siloed. And so I get really excited when members of the engineering team get to know other members throughout the company. It definitely provides a lot more empathy and, you know, us being all remote, you know, whatever you can do in order to do that without disrupting, you know, the focus that you need in order to complete those features, I think is wonderful. Yeah, I completely agree. So I wanted to move on to a fun topic that we can both relate to, and that is being a software developer who's in a relationship with another software developer. So my partner, Mike, had his story told in episode 334, but I'd love to hear your partner Kip's origin story. Yeah, so Kip originally went to school to study biology and psychology, and through throughout like their time in college they got to actually use python to do some scripting for some data analysis for projects that they would be like research projects that they would be working on in school so that's kind of where they got their first stint into tech so they've kind of always been innately aware of tech but not really knowing how it could be used day to day in and out of people's lives throughout like software application, you know? Um, so they moved to Denver a couple of years ago and they were working as a research, a lab research manager over at DU. And I was finishing Turing right kind of like when we met. And then a couple of months later, I think I kind of planted the seed for them to go to Turing. And yeah, they decided to go with the front end route, which I was kind of surprised by just because they are such like an analytical thinker. I thought the back end would have lent itself really well to them, but they're thriving as a front end engineer. And yeah. Well, I did some Googling around being in a relationship with a software developer. Now, granted, I could not find a Stack Overflow article because we all know that's what we would have preferred. But uh, let me read this bit to you, which I found uh, quite amusing. So these are the pros of dating a software engineer. If you like your quiet and space, the engineer is usually too busy at work to think about you to hound you in any way. When at work or with you, they are usually asleep. Don't cook fancy dinners. They beg off at the last minute saying there is a bug in the system or the application is down. The pros, they always feel guilty for not spending enough time with you, and they can afford lavish gifts, which you will get and keep. The cons, you have no idea what they're babbling about when they talk about work, and it would take two years of serious study to find out. They have no issue in anything outside their work, and all their friends are fellow developers. I found this extremely far-fetched, so I'd like to talk about the great things that happen when two developers are partners and maybe some funny stories that result from it. I know for me, uh, GitHub has had its issues in the past year where it's gone at down. 
Uh, the other day, I was trying to push up a commit, and it, it kept failing. And so I finally went and looked at the GitHub status page and realized it was down. So I rolled my chair backwards and shouted out to my partner, Mike, and told him that GitHub was down. And he informed me that he knew that GitHub was down and that it had been down for an hour. And I yelled, this is a GitHub house. If you know GitHub is down, you need to tell me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think those are the kind of things that happen. But it's also really nice that, you know, if I have a difficult technical issue going on at work, that I can talk it out with Mike. And he often provides a lot of really great insight. Oh, that is so nice. Since Kip and I are like front end and back end engineering, I feel like we totally relate to the part about the cons about what you said about not having any idea what they're babbling about when they talk about work. Because whenever Kip is talking to me about the front end, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds so cool. And the way that you're explaining it like makes me enthused about it, and I want to like learn more about it. Um, we just haven't like done any of that just yet i feel like we spend a lot of our free time like doing things outside of code like we're learning how to sew and all of that stuff and yeah i think that's really fantastic and mike and i definitely have interests outside of coding for sure i spend a lot of time baking which has been both a positive and a negative during the pandemic but <laughs> Mostly a positive, I would say. But um, I am curious, like, how are you tackling learning how to sew together? Is that, you know, I'm curious, like, why you're doing that and, you know, what steps you're taking to, to learn? Totally. We've actually just been doing a lot of projects together. Like, we, for Christmas, they sewed me, like, these really cool pair of pleated tool pants that we were working on together. So mostly just like project-based, I guess. Well, since we're relatively new to like the world of tech, I've only got to see them go through Turing, which we all know is kind of, or I've only seen them get to go through coding boot camps. And that's kind of like a stressful process. So I feel like we don't have a lot of like funny haha stories that have resulted from like being software developers, but there have been like, a lot of good moments of like emotional support and me being able to like empathize with the struggles that they're facing in like the world of tech and how I've kind of been able to like conquer some of those fears and maybe give like some advice, you know? Well, from what I understand, Turing is a very intense boot camp. You're working like 60 to 70 hours a week, it sounds like. And so by you have gone going through the boot camp, you know, how were you able to lend that support as Kip was going through? I think what that kind of support looked like for me was kind of trying to do nice things where I could and reassure them that they are going in the right direction when imposter syndrome would kind of like set in, reassuring them that they have this, they're still learning, there's still so much more time to learn all of the things and that it doesn't all, you don't have to know everything like right away, right? And also I would try to do like, I don't know, support for me doesn't always look like giving emotional support, but also doing like little labors of love, like cooking dinner for them because, you know, when you're in school, you're on a tight budget. So trying to make sure like you're eating as healthy and as good for your brain as you can instead of like filling up on McDonald's and fast food and stuff like that, like regular college students. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of what the emotional support look, looked like for me. I totally agree. I read this really cheesy book at one point. It talked about having a love language with your partner and how certain things are like part of that love language, like certain gestures. And to me, like going out and getting me my favorite coconut drink and like just opening the fridge and finding it, I will look at Mike and be like, that's love language. And he like, will yes. laugh at me. But yes. it, it is those little things that means that you care. And, you know, I have a mechanical keyboard that I notoriously am terrible about using, but you know, Mike has ordered me custom keycaps before. And so I have a little cupcake, uh, keycap for my escape key. Yes. And those like, to me, that is love language. That is a really sweet gift. It is because it's something that is personal and something that you look at and, you know, it's just like a positive interaction that you're going to have often. And so I love those little kinds of things. I'm not a fan of, you know, big gifts at like holidays and birthdays. I'm more of a fan of seeing something, knowing that my partner would love it, and then just kind of sneaking it in there. Yeah. So, Tay, before we wrap up, I would love your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities. I think a very cool meetup that you actually showed me a few weeks ago was the women in non-binary Ruby meetup. And I think that was the first of its, the first run that they've ever had. And I think it's the last Tuesday of every month. So seeing kind of people that you see in yourself with has been really exciting and makes it a lot more comfortable to talk about code, you know? and maybe a little bit easier to like learn from other people and what they are speaking about as well. So that's really one, um, one exciting kind of uh, community that I see is like up and coming in the Ruby and Ruby on Rails community. I agree with you and I cannot plug them enough. And I don't know if you've joined their Slack channel yet, but it has been wonderful to see all the interactions around questions and job opportunities. I just think there's a lot of positive energy coming out of that group. So of course we will link everything in the show notes and highly recommend listeners check it out. So Tay, how can listeners follow you? <laughs> I think I don't have like a lot of social media. So I feel like the only way people can keep up with me is like maybe through GitHub. Um, my handle is Tay James, maybe on LinkedIn too. It's my LinkedIn name as well. Perfect. I will link all of that. Tay, thank you so much for picking the Ruby on Rails podcast as your podcast debut. And it's such a joy to work with you. And it was really great to chat. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you for having, having me. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening. Thank you.